Morning all. Um, so, as, as Matt has said, we're having a bit of a, a gap from the series uh, about Emotionally Healthy Church, um, and they've given me free reign. Now, <laughs> I don't know about you, that sounds like it should be easier, right? I can talk about whatever I want. However, what do I want to talk about? There is, there's so much stuff that I could say. There's so many different topics. There's so many wonderful stories in the Bible. Where do I even begin? So I actually find it far harder to be told, do what you want, than I do to, to just go, here's a Bible passage, talk about that for an hour, and then you can go home. So I've asked God what he wants me to talk about, and I got a few ideas. I had some the, not even ideas, beginning of ideas, and I, and I just felt God asking me a question, challenging me about the question of, do you trust me? Now, what I enjoy about preaching is also what I kind of fear about preaching. God never fails to kind of teach me more than he teaches any of you by my preaching. So he speaks to me very, very kind of clearly and strongly into my life through the topic and the, the, the preach that I'm bringing. Now, as you can say, with a question like, do you trust me? Can you see where my fear comes from? He's going to test me. He's going to ask me. He's going to, he's going to challenge me on this. And that's awesome and terrifying all at the same time. And this has not been an exception. So I've recently found out, recently, I've been out of work now for a month, month and a half, two months, I don't know what it is. And that's hard. Being out of work kind of sucks. Uh, and you look to the future and you're like, oh, what happens? And I also recently had some really good news, which you may or may not see. So Lauren and I, Lauren is my wife, we are expecting our first child. But... I found out that Lauren was pregnant on the same day I got an email telling me that the contract I was in would finish. So as you can imagine the kind of mixed emotions that I was feeling on that day. I've got really exciting news and really tough news at the same time. Um, and it, it leads me into questions. Uh, and they're questions that I've kind of come across multiple times. You know, I've been in Liverpool for nearly three years now. And I've had three periods where I've been out of work. And, and, and you just kind of ask yourself, it's like, what's God doing? Why? Why am, why am I here? Why has he brought me here? What does he want me to do? And, and when's it going to happen? And add to that the whole exciting, wonderful thing of I'm going to be a dad. <laughs> um, how is that going to work? What, what am I gonna, where, where, there are so many questions that I have no idea. And it's like, wow. Okay, so this is big news. This is, this is terrifying news. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. And all through these questions, I'm drawn back to this original question. Do you trust me? Now, I've rest, as I said, I've wrestled with this before. And I think it's probably the same for each of us. Whatever season of life we're in, it's good to take moments and go, right, do I trust God? Do I honestly, can I, can I say hand on heart that I trust God? Because at some point in your life, there will be an upheaval. At some point in your life, there will be that moment when, there are people laughing, sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Um, there, there are moments when God just goes, do you trust me? Not out of meanness, not out of harshness, but just because that's what life does. Life challenges us. Our relationship with God is not a static thing. It's, a, it's, it's energetic. It's active. It's growing. And there will be periods of testing in that. So how do we even begin to answer the question of, do you trust me? 
Well, I was in a prayer meeting on a Thursday night recently, and two people gave me the same prophetic word, which is always wonderful. They were praying for me because I was going to be out of work, and they reminded me of Gideon and the story of Gideon. Now, for those that are a little bit shaky on Gideon, you should have listened to my preach uh, last time I was up here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, for those who are a little bit shaky on the story of Gideon, Gideon is a weak and fearful man doing amazing things because of the power of God. In the face of ever more ridiculous kind of commands, he is faithful and trusts that God has a plan and knows what he's doing. These words for me in this prayer meeting were just wonderfully kind of pertinent. For me in that moment, knowing that God has a plan and God is in control and knowing that God is wonderfully, wonderfully faithful was what I needed to hear right then and there. And I think it's something that we all need to remember every now and then. Because as I say, when it comes to the question of do you trust me, it's about God. It's not about us. This got me thinking. So if we look pretty much any story in the Bible, we will have an example of the faithfulness of God. The whole book just streams, I love you, I am faithful, I am trustworthy. If God says he's going to do something, then he does it. If he makes a promise, there is absolutely nothing that will stop him from fulfilling that promise. The challenge for us (laughs) comes in God's timing. In those moments when all we have is that promise and we can't see where the provision is coming from, where we can't see what God's going to do to fix something. And that is where the battle is fought in us over whether we trust God. In that moment where all I have is the promise. A verse that is often given when people are struggling to to see God's kind of action, to see God's plan, is from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Um, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, those, those are wonderful words uh, and, and words that should encourage each one of us. But if you were to be asked where, what situation that has been spoken into, where were the Israelites at that time, you've got to look at the fact that they've, they're in exile. They've just been taken away from Jerusalem to Babylon. And God's just told them they're going to be there for 70 years. Now, how can you imagine the, the, the conflict of emotions they've got? Great, God's for us. God's got a plan. God's going to do something in 70 years. <laughs> it, it, there's, a, there's a massive tension there. There's a massive kind of, I've got to be here in slavery for 70 years? What? What? How? how what? Huh? How, how is this work, God? Why, why are you doing this to me? And again, it's a theme that we see repeated in the Bible. There are lots of stories where people are given a promise and there is a long wait. Abraham moves across the known world to be the father of the nations and still has to wait decades for his first child, the child of promise. Um, We look at maybe Joseph, who ends up being a slave in prison in Egypt even though he's been told that his brothers will bow down to him. 
you, you look at the entire Israel, Israelite nation, 40 years wandering around in circles in a, in a relatively small desert, all of these things before the promise is fulfilled. And I, I think what God was kind of bringing home to me and, and speaks through all of these stories is those years are never wasted. Our waiting, their waiting, is never, ever wasted. God uses all situations to make us more like him. So I thought I'd share a little bit of, a little bit more testimony. Um, when I was, I, I came back to God, so I became a Christian when I was kind of 23 or 24, something like that. And I, I had a heart to get married, to settle down, to have kids. And five years went by, nothing. Not even a sniff, nothing at all. Ten years go by, and you're there going, huh. And, and questions in those years really did kind of bite home. It's like, have I done something wrong? Am I being punished? It's like my heart's desire was to be married and have children. And it wasn't happening. And I looked at it and it's like, what's going on? Does God want me to be single forever? Am I being punished because I didn't go to church in uni where all of my friends met their wives? <laughs> it's like, what? Well, I say wives, wives or husbands because I have friends that are male and female. Um, but yeah, was I being punished for, not, for, not, for having too much fun uh, in <laughs> university? Um, how on earth is this God's plan to prosper me? And I, I, I didn't wait patiently. I, I, I'm not a patient man, particularly. I, I struggle, and, and Lauren will laugh when I say this. Fortunately, she's not in here, so you won't hear it. But I, I, I really, really struggle waiting. I hate waiting. Now, it was my birthday on Friday, and, and Lauren bless her, is on nights at the moment. So every time a package turned up, I had to take it from the door. So I'm standing with my birthday presents coming through the door, and I'm, I can't do anything. I'm not allowed to open them. I'm not allowed to see them. I'm not allowed to shake them, although I may have. Um, <laughs> and I've got to wait. And I hate waiting. I just really, really hate waiting. So rather than waiting faithfully <laughs> for, for God to, to bring me a wife, I've, I, I tried to fight God. I, I tried to convince him, to negotiate with him. Uh, I tried to twist his arm. I promised him all sorts of things if he just gave me a wife. Um, and slowly, slowly, oh so slowly, he got through to me. He, he, he kind of smiled at me and my, my, my gestures and my, 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 my offers and my bribes and all of this kind of stuff. And, and, and slowly he got through to me. Slowly he let, helped me to listen to him. The waiting was important. What I did in preparation for this unknown future mattered to God. And it matters to me as well. What I ended up doing as, as, as I got wisdom from others and, and kind of listened to God is I started praying for my future wife in faith. Sometimes there was no faith. <laughs> Sometimes there was faith. But I prayed for someone I'd never met. I prayed for someone I didn't know existed. Um, I hoped they existed. <laughs> it, it's quite a weird thing. I, I ended up surrendering all my demands for control. And that was hard. There were many, many tears. But I got to the point where I was genuinely okay with whatever God had for me in, in this area. <laughs> there were many, many kind of ongoing missions in my life, but in this one I was good. And that's when I, I, I kind of see God's sense of humor 
because within two months of me going, yep, God, it's all yours, I genuinely, I, I don't mind whether I have a wife or not, it's, it's to you, I met Lauren. Uh, it, was, it was about two months later. And I can just imagine God's, the twinkling God's eye and, and the smile on his face as we met. And he's like, <laughs> I knew. And I can just imagine how he, he kind of, he beamed when I proposed to her and how unbelievably happy he was on the day we got married and, and we said we would have him as the center of our marriage. And, and, and so this kind of led me, leads me into this whole, the thing that I learned, the, 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 the most important thing that I learned was when I'm trusting God, it's not some distant, all-powerful authority figure. It's a loving, 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 heavenly father. He loves us so completely that he was willing to become a man and live a normal life and die a horrendous death so that we could come back into relationship with him. On the day we were born, he loved us more than anyone could ever love us. And he knows us more completely than we even know ourselves. When, trusting, when trying to trust God, I find it is great to focus on who he is. Not the situation, not who I am, not where I'm rubbish. Who he is. And the God we trust is love. So in 1 Corinthians 13, we see what perfect love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. A way that I want to change this slightly is to insert the word God where it says love. God is patient and kind. God does not envy. He is not, or, or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. He is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. God never ends. Now Paul writes in his letter to Romans that nothing can separate us from this love. Uh, Romans 8, 38. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now Paul lists anything and everything he can think of to, to just really bring home to us. When he says nothing, it's not a case of, well, there are a couple of things. He really, 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 really means nothing. We read in Galatians uh, chapter 5, 22 to 23, about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of God's Spirit in us. Each of these attributes is a characteristic of our Heavenly Father. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. God has given us his spirit as a gift, a helper. He gives it to every Christian. It's not a reward for long service or for reading your Bible every day. It's a free gift because he loves you and he knows that you're going to need help. The spirit of God in each one of us enables us to reflect the character of our God. It enables us to know our God and his absolute perfection. This great, wonderful, personal God that I have just described that has all these characteristics, that's who we we trust. And he genuinely wants what is best for us. And more importantly, he knows what is best for us. Now, in my testimony, I touched on a couple of kind of key words for this. Control and surrender. I am... So I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I, I quite like planning stuff, um, mainly kind of short to medium term plans. Lauren and I both do this, which is quite fun. Uh, and we, we'll, we like to look at houses and go, oh, I could do this, or I could do that. I could change this layout. I could change this decoration. Um, this would work really well if we were entertaining these people, or if we had kids coming around, we could do this. And, and we just love that kind of stuff. And when I found out I was, I was going to be a dad, Still not sure about this one. Um, and I had, would have no job on the same day. Planning suddenly became hard. I struggled to see past the impending now for that future joy. And it's true of any of the situations we may find ourselves in that the now becomes all, can become all-consuming. The now can be blinding to the truth. I found I had no control in the situation. I had, I'm applying for work. I'm looking for ways to change the situation. And yet I have no control. I can send out hundreds of applications, but it's somebody else that makes that decision. That grates, that, that, that hurts on a level because it frustrates me. How can I trust God? If he doesn't tell me what he's doing, how can I trust God if I don't know what's going to happen, if I'm not actually in control? (laughs) But if God had told me when I was 23 that I'd have to wait more than a decade to meet my my wife, um, or if he told me my wife was 14, 13, 14 years younger than me, do the maths, it's kind of weird. Um... (laughs) How would I have reacted? How would I have coped with that? It's mad, isn't it? Um, Would I have believed him? Would I have thanked him? Um, How would I behave in in the interceding 10 years? Does knowing the future actually help me in any way, shape or form? Probably not. And God fortunately knows this. So he tells us what we need to know. Just enough that we could have faith and have trust in him now knowing that he has the future in his hand, as he's always had it. Trusting God works best when we accept that he knows best. When we accept that he alone has the power to change our situations and the people that we love, depending on what we're asking for, depending on what we're looking at, he alone has power to to intercede and 
change this world. We don't. Basically, trusting God works best when we accept that we are not God. And, and that's hard. And that's where the, the second word I talked about, rather than control, surrender comes in. Because accepting that we are not God and we cannot fix everything and we cannot change everything is surrender. It's not what the world will tell you uh, surrender is giving up. Surrender is accepting the situation we are in and knowing that God is good. As I wrestled with this, with this question of do I trust God, I ended up with some more questions. Do I doubt God's power? Hey. And the honest answer is sometimes yes. I look at the world and ask why. I get so fixated with my little picture that I lose sight of the truth. But the truth is Jesus, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, God created everything. We've sung it this morning. We heard it this morning. Jesus and God were there, all one thing, Trinity, wonderful. I'm not going to try and explain that. They were, they were there at the beginning and God spoke everything, the entire universe into, into existence. He didn't have to do anything. He spoke if that's not powerful, I don't know what is. And it wasn't just that one instance of God being powerful. Throughout the Bible, it demonstrates that God has power over the environment, over our bodies, over the, the situation of government, over everything on this planet. Jesus came and did amazing things in the power of the Father, in the name of the Father. The disciples were then given the Holy Spirit. We are given the Holy Spirit. The disciples walked through towns and their shadow healed people. That same power, that same God, that same Spirit is living and active now in each one of us that is a Christian. So, <laughs> and yet I doubt. What's that about? Where does that come from? The next question is, do I doubt that God has a plan? Again, yes. I, I, I have this doubt sometimes. I struggle to see my place in God's kingdom. As I said, I've been in Liverpool three years, and a recurring theme is, why on earth am I here? I, I'm trained as a molecular biologist. Um, I have worked for seven or eight years down in Cambridge, on something called the Human Genome Project. A, a, we won't worry about the technical terms, but basically sequencing DNA from people so that we can do medical research. <coughs> I was quite good at this job. I wrote the training manual for this job. There is nothing like this in Liverpool. Why am I here? God has given me these skills. God has given me this knowledge. God has given me everything I have. Where does it fit? And these are questions that I, I have struggled with on and off while being in Liverpool, especially every time I get another kind of job not back or another kind of period of unemployment where it's just like, what am I doing? Where is God's plan? Why did he choose me? Where am I going? What is he doing? Does he even know what's going on? And again, if we go back to the Bible, we can see person after person in the Bible who would have had the same thoughts or could have had the same thoughts. 
You look at Abraham. You look at Joseph. Joseph, particularly when he's sitting in a prison. I'm a slave. I'm in jail. What? Why? Hello, God. What's going on? He has a, especially when he's done the kind of, the dream interpretation. It's come true. He said, remember me when you see Pharaoh. He didn't. He's in jail for even longer. And you're just like, they're going, any time now. I'm so ready to leave jail. But what we see is that God had a plan. And God's timing is perfect. As hard as as it is for us to deal with that sometimes. God knows what he's doing. And the final question is, do I doubt God's desire to act? Again, I can say guilty. I can say that I have had this doubt. But if I look back to how and why I'm a Christian, God spoke to me very clearly, called me and said, stop it. Stop being a fool. Come on, back, back you come. You know you're meant to be here. You know what you're meant to be doing. And if, if we look at our own, every one of us here who's a Christian can look at our own kind of story, our own kind of conversion moment or, or the journey and we'll see God has opened your eyes and your heart and spoken to you. Otherwise, you would not be a Christian. For those that aren't Christians in the room, maybe today is that day when God just makes it so wonderfully apparent to you that this is true and this is good and this is something you want. But it is very easy to slip into these doubts. But if you think about it, the reality is how much do we ever really know what's going on and what the future holds? Unless God tells you directly, and he's the only one that does know, you may never know. What we can know is the character of God. Look at the Bible. Look at those verses that I pulled out. You can know God. Now, when we trust people in the world, it's because we know them. It's because we've developed a relationship with them. It's because... We know that they are trustworthy. With God, it's the same. You can know God. You can develop that relationship. And you can know that he is trustworthy. But he is the most trustworthy. He he can be closer to you than any person ever can. Because he knows you so completely and loves you so deeply. Now, the question that naturally follows on from that is how on earth can we know God? And the answer is wonderfully simple. Spend time with him. Make spending time with God a priority in your life because he has prioritized you above all things. If you want to know what God is like, study the Bible. The Bible is full of wonderful, divine-inspired writings that show God's love for his people and you are his people. It will show you his desire for relationship with you. If this is hard for you, if this is something you don't even know where to start, ask others to join with you, to help with you. We are not alone at any point in this. There is incredible amounts of information on the internet. There is incredible amounts of literature and, and Bible readings and ways to study the Bible. But asking those in this congregation today allows you to build relationship here too allows you to build trust here too. We should spend time worshipping God. Having established who he is and what he's like, how can we not? 
How can we not respond with absolute delight and joy and wonder at this God that wants to know us? And we should spend time talking to God. Now, I've said that God knows us completely, but he still wants us to talk to him. While nothing is a surprise to him, he still wants us to share. He wants us to be honest, emotionally honest. And it's hard. I make no kind of bones about this. Being honest to God is hard because sometimes what I'm feeling, sometimes what we're feeling may not be nice or pretty or clean. Life, my, my mixed emotions about no work, baby, panic may have happened. And, and if I can't take that to God, I have to keep that to myself. It's like it's hard enough telling my wife about how I'm feeling, and, and I know she loves me. She does occasionally tell me. As for me, she tells me a lot. Um, and God has, t- has demonstrated his love, has told me of his love time and time and time again. And so I, I just need to be honest. Now, as I've mentioned, struggling with any of these is normal. Learning to do these takes time and takes practice. Talk to those you trust within the church. Ask for help. There is no shame in not being able to necessarily pray or not being able to read your Bible because you've never been taught or you've never never really had the right literature or kind of the right way in for you because you think differently to other people. That's fine. The church is a wonderful thing where we are all different and we can all support each other. What we have now is an opportunity to respond to what I've just brought you, to this wonderful, loving God who we totally can trust. What I want us to do is respond in worship, but within this, I want us to kind of, if we're struggling right now, if something I've said has kind of touched your heart and God has spoken to you through my words, find someone to pray with, find someone to stand with, to support each other in our community. Find a way to get the love and meet with God right now. Because we have a good amount of time left to just meet with God. And he is desperate to meet with us. He cannot wait. The highlight of his existence is every time that you, as an individual, come to him and just enjoy him.